Union Buster Cad Bane. Start your sublight engines. It's time for Rube Helps Padres, a queer Star Wars podcast. Welcome back to another week of chaos. My name is Mel. I use they, them pronouns. You can find me on TikTok at Grunkle Rex. And my gender this week is Camino, also known as the beach from old 2021. I, I fucking hate you. hate you. I hate this I goddamn hate podcast so much. I'm leaving right fucking I'm, now. Yeah, I'm quitting. First this is actually going to be a one-person being... episode, and it's just Mel talking about the I'm, beach from old. I'm going to talk about every every Star Wars character who gets trapped on the beach from old. My name is Ollie. My pronouns are they, them. You can find me on most social media at Ollie Fresh with a PH. And my gender this week is Babysitter 2 Electric Boogaloo featuring Gregor. I'm Noah. My pronouns are he, him. Uh, you can find me on TikTok at the Jewish Jedi. And my gender this week is on the Joe Rogan pod, pod, podcast. Please welcome Crosshair. I'm just so saying, true, if there's bestie. a space Joe Rogan, he would go on Twitter and be like, we need to hear his side of things. I mean, yeah, you're oh correct. Oh my God, but yes. That still hurt. My name is Claudia. My pronouns are she, her. You can find me on social media at Kaludia says, K-A-L-U-D-I-A says, my gender of the week, um, it was stolen. It was babysitter Sid. Um, and um, specifically, Gregor sitting there having a Capri Sun with Bolo and Ketch. Um, they're all they're all being babysat at the bar, um, apparently. Again, so. our gay protector Sid watching I'm... over the gays. I'm Jess. My pronouns are they, them. You can find me on most social media at Kawaii Jessio. That's K-A-W-A-I-I-J-E-S-S-Y-O. My gender this week is up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right. B, A, start, Omega. Let's talk about the Bad Batch. Um, so a lot happened this week. So I guess let's start from the beginning. We go back to Ord Mantel with Echo and Tech repairing the ship. And Omega's like, hey, come on, we need to hurry. And Echo's like, girl, I'm doing the best I can, please. I'm, I'm, I've got so much going on. Um, the single mom I, energy on Echo. I, I'm so glad that we were correct on that because he was like, he was just like a single mom working two jobs. Like he was trying his best. I do like him entering his Reba era. Yeah, Get Reba out of here. <laughs> Reba McIntyre Echo. Echo McIntyre is too much. Rebecca. I was just going to say that I thought it was really funny that Echo was just like, wait, Omega, I have to finish the ship. And it literally just takes one like <laughs> wrench, like turn. He's like, okay, there. Like, that is so Echo, on brand for Star Wars. And I love it so much because they will fully be like, we have got to fix this door. And they just hit it really hard. And they're like, we did it, guys. You know what else I'm just now realizing? Maybe I missed it. I guess maybe it's because of all of the schematics that have been running through his head. I know he's a hacker. Where did he learn how to repair a ship? Because my thing is, he was an ARC trooper who was really good at fighting and knew the standard procedure really well. And then he was good at strategy. And then he's I mean, good at splicing because probably... he was hooked up. <laughs> but maybe yeah. maybe just he's just different. like a yeah. I mean, he's built different, but it's, it's also like when possible you're... he just like a like a um he just really like auto mechanics. No, I mean, it was osmosis. It's like when a dad is like, I can fix it. Don't worry. Yeah. Well, to be to be fair, you're like it's remove also... your sink. 
to be fair, number one, he was in the 501st, and they crashed a lot of ships. He was with Anakin. At some point, he did have to learn. Second of all, I do think they probably all received, like, on Kamino, like, some sort of rudimentary mechanics training. Even, like, not, like, anything advanced, but probably, like, you know, if you get stuck somewhere, how do you, ch- how do you change your tire? The <laughs> like, idea that he's, like... <laughs> Well, obviously tech is busy and I know Wrecker's not going to do it. So it's time for me to enter my mechanic era. Well, there's those times like, um, I think in the early episodes, was that episode three when the, the ship broke and Echo and, and tech were the ones who were fixing the ship. So Echo's already like known for a while how to, to fix this fucking piece of junk. I guess I just never thought about it before. But anyway, um... it is a thing in Star Wars in general, though, that like everybody knows how to fix a ship and you're like, OK, but like. Not everybody knows how to fix a car. That is like, that like, is incorrect. The character who does not know how to fix a ship is Finn. He yes, does not yeah, know what a single Finn thing on an entire ship does. Ray would be like, can you hand me a wrench? And he would be like, no. I mean, yeah. I also just enjoy like the fact that Echo really like we we all kind of went into this like oh my gosh like echo's like gonna be in charge it's echo's big day and then immediately omega was like i am in charge now i have a panic disorder so we are going to go do what i say on camino right fucking now i do also like him trying to be like so you okay and she's like honestly don't ask me right now pay attention to what he stay in your lane which is very funny I do like the idea of Omega being the kind of person who's like about to cry and she's like if anyone asks me if I'm okay right now I'm going to start crying so don't talk to me that does mean that Boba is probably similar and that makes me feel crazy oh my Um, god yeah he definitely is (laughs) what's very funny about like Omega being like look at me I am the leader now also, the fact that we did find out from when she was like, we're in Nalase's lab. I was here when you guys were created. Basically, the hierarchy of ages sister. in the Bad Batch are, first of all, she remembers when they were created. So Omega is the oldest, probably the same age, if not a little, like, she's probably around the same age as Echo. And then the Bad Batch are all younger. Oh, they're kind of Wait, wait, how, how old is she? Do we know how old she is canonically? I mean, I assume she would, my guess is like 10 or 11 I yeah. thought maybe how she long, was like how long I don't did, think she's uh, younger than like last. nine. Like three, three and a half years. Yeah. So she's a lot. She I, I imagine she would have been like maybe five or six when they were making clones and probably around six when they made the bad batch. I don't think that they've Wait, been around okay. since the start of the war. But here's the thing. So if she was six when they made the bad batch and she's 10 now. That would mean that they have only been alive for five years, so they would be like ten years old, unless they have double accelerated aging. Unless no, we did send them to the said, beach from yeah, old. they got sent to the fucking beach from old. The beach wait, that turns you old from Plot old. Twist. Nalase didn't even mutate them; she just put them on the beach from old. Nalase's lab is she she put oh, them here. she put them there for like five hours and they came out like twenty somethings and she's like perfect. Nala say Nala say put the bad badge on the beach from old and then set a timer and took a nap and slept through her timer was like oh shit I let them cook for <laughs> that, too long. That's why Tech has that terrible hair. Nala say you're mad. This is something that I didn't notice before and I might just be dumb, but we know Crosshair's CT number is ninety nine oh four, right? Do we think that the Bad Batch are 9901 through 04? Yes. So here's my question as well. We know that 99, the the man himself, inspired the Bad Batch's designation. 
did they know 99 i would just i'm very curious about well, what he was on the beach from old so when they got put there they I, I think that maybe they did but they were like very very young at that time maybe this they is... were still cadets but they probably heard about legendary 99 and how he helped save camino so i think it's one of those things where the name of their like quote-unquote organization their whatever the fuck you want to call it alias is clone force 99 because of 99's birth and him being a quote-unquote defective clone and so they're like oh we're going to have this group of defective clones even though i'm i would argue that maybe they're a mutation actually like nala say did this intentionally which that's what i mean that's what they said i mean yeah yeah. because omega was like i remember them doing yeah anyway there's some weird eugenic shit there that we will unpack not today uh but okay anyways thanks Nala. possibly not ever possibly not ever nala say my enemy i'm just gonna I, I would just find it extremely funny though if like they had never met 99 and they were like we just like the number and they were like oh it is name after 99 and they were like who the fuck is that they're like no that's just our ct numbers we just thought it was funny that all of them started with 99 so we were like let's take clone force 99 um also i am I- sorry i am just obsessed with how old the bad batch is because it just plagues me sifo diaz put in a doordash order to be picked up and then he went to the beach from old and he forgot about (laughs) dooku took him to the beach from old and fucking killed him i i would like to preface this discussion with um just we are very sexy and we are very funky fresh on this podcast when we talk about things and then they happen in the show i love i love us i felt very blindsided by everything because i was very much in the camp that like i was starting to feel a little bad for my man crosshair um i was i was not okay let me say i'm not like all crosshair poor babe whatever i was more like dang it does kind of suck that his bros left him behind and i think noah did say last week it would be very funny if crosshair was just like he's like i'm not i'm not like under a chip i just have a petty revenge quest um and i, I did so just like feel bad i was like dang his brothers just like left him but now that it's happened i'm like okay well crosshair girl <laughs> come on so now here's, here's my thing about about this entire thing i will say that even though i think for almost this entire show i've been like oh it'd be more interesting if crosshair wasn't shipped i never once thought that was a possibility for the plot of the show genuinely it did not once cross my mind that that would actually happen i was like oh narratively it'd be a lot more like well fleshed out if he didn't have a chip this whole time and then there were, and then he was like, I didn't have a chip. And I was like, you, you didn't like. To be fair, we don't know if it was like he got his chip p- taken out post cross crispy cross hairification, or if it was like, I've never had a chip actually. Ooh, they just char- supercharged my brain for shits and giggles. Ooh. He just saw Caleb Doom and was like, whose goddamn white baby is that? That's not Kanan Jarrus. Okay, <laughs> sir, 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 maybe it's time to look in a goddamn mirror because you look nothing like Django Fett. Okay. <laughs> okay, but to be serious though, like, like, yes, let's address that elephant in the room. When did he get his chip out? So there's a couple, there's a couple options here. Number one, what Mel said, which was maybe he didn't have one. It was Agatha all along. Or number two, the most likely thing, which is he got it out when he was Kentucky Fried. <laughs> or number three, um, which I have seen other people, is that he was lied to and he still has one. Um, so there, I mean, there's several options more than that, whatever. Um, when I think about the most likely one, which is that it was when he got crispy fried, is that 
let's say he's getting medical attention, whatever, and he asks to get his chip out, or he finds out that he has a chip, or, well, he, he already knew from the batch, whatever, but he asks to get his chip out, whatever, and they say yes, and they do it, like, why would they allow him to do it? And the answer is, I mean, this happens every time we see Rampart, which is, like, Rampart wants to be able to prove, like, chip or no chip, the, the, the clones are useless. Doesn't matter if they're special forces, doesn't matter if they're the best, doesn't matter if they're, they're supercharged, doesn't matter if they have a chip or not have a chip, they suck. So I, I feel like that would, that would be his reasoning for being like, yeah, sure, take it out. Fine. I honestly thought that his chip got melted when he got his little fun head abrasion moment. Um, and that, like, they were like, okay, well, we have to take this shit out because now it is just, like, half of a, <laughs> half of a, a microchip, so. I do like the idea that it melted in his brain and that's why he's a fascist now. Um, but no, so here's my thought. And this is what I immediately thought was that, so in episode two, which is where he does the fun little um, killing civilians thing. Um, so after that happens, I think, and then the whole aim for the child situation in episode eight, then he gets crispy, his chip malfunctions or whatever, and either gets taken out or it just stops working. And he's like, well, <laughs> I'm kind of already here. Crosshair's like, I don't deserve a redemption arc. I think I am just a bad person now. Um, and I do think it would be interesting to see him in the next episode be like, yeah, I did some pretty not cool stuff. So I just decided to lean into it. Um, And again, love that for him. Very mall of him. Um, But I, uh, you also said melted into his brain. Um, I did think of like, oh, what if that, not just like, oh, he's a, he's a fascist now because of it. But like, uh, when he got super chipped, uh, that even that that maybe not caused it to malfunction, but like that it melded in with his brain. I think last week we talked about how if like, um, oh, what if when they removed Hunter's chip or we were theorizing like, oh, what if they rechipped Hunter or something like that? Um, and supercharged him, like, what if they would never be able to remove it because it had been, like, melded into his brain or whatever uh, from the supercharging? This is very scientific. Um, <laughs> but, like, but maybe it was that of, like, it, 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 it had been so supercharged that it had a, like, permanent effect on not only his personality but the way that he thinks in a way that it doesn't over other people, as we've seen and as we've talked about, um, where it doesn't affect every choice they've made, even if they still have a chip in them. Like that was a thought process I was going down. So one of the things is I want to point out that the exact line that Crosshair says when he and Hunter are talking is, I had it removed, um, which I mean, so there, there's a lot of theories floating around from Crosshair apologists uh, who really want this to be like an imperial lie or whatever, like, oh, he was brainwashed, he still has a chip maybe unlikely though that'd be a really I mean it's possible but I guess for me that'd be a really weird twist to throw in on top of this other twist I don't think that his chip is gone I don't think it also really helps us to speculate on on when he lost it um because it doesn't it doesn't totally matter I am going to go into a small rant now and I want to preface this by saying um if you're a huge fan of Crosshair that's not a problem to me he is a fictional character and I'm not trying to be like a dick about this, but basically what I want to say is you can be a victim of a system 
and also be a perpetrator of violence on behalf of the system. And we have to be able to have that to talk about crosshair because a lot of people, especially in my comment section and in other comment sections have basically been like, I'm not gonna get mad at him for this because like he still has a chip or he might be might've been lied to or the worst offender. Um, he just was taught to follow orders. So this is okay because that's how, all he knows how to do. Nar. Um, the, the thing about that mentality that's so dangerous and misguided is that it presumes that if you're a victim of a system, which Crosshair is, I don't want to debate that, like he is definitely a victim of both the Republic and the Empire, you can still do shitty things that have shitty consequences. Anakin being a prime example of that. Anakin Skywalker is through and through a victim of Darth Sidious. He is also a Sith Lord and a murderer and responsible for the genocide of an entire planet. Like those things have to be present at the same time. And I just feel like, like a little bit too many of y'all for my personal comfort are ready to be like, no, it's okay actually, because like, it, like no matter what it is, he is still someone who has killed a lot of people who didn't deserve it and who has enacted violence on innocent people. And you don't get to turn a blind eye to that because it's either how he is or because he's under control. Yeah, I really do think it is a matter of like being able to hold two things that are true in your heart at the same time. Um, I know I know it doesn't feel good to be like, oh, but like I, he, he, I have to excuse these actions. No, you don't, because here's the thing, it's a fictional character. You are not, this is not like, you are allowed to enjoy things, but the, the problem becomes when you're trying to justify it here in the real world, their actions, because, hey, bestie, mm -mm, that's a big no-no. That's absolutely not. That brings up a really good point that I also wanted to make about this being a narrative. The other thing I think I've seen a lot of people be like, oh, is, well, his family left him behind, so it justifies him being a fascist. And I'm like, we can be sympathetic to Crosshair for saying, oh, his entire family left him behind. And then he has to watch them constantly be like, we don't leave each other behind. And we can feel for him being like, yeah, that's troubling. But we also have to take a moment where he says, hey, they were out there. He did try to kill them. And if he doesn't have his chip, he could say, oh my God, I did try to kill them. Now that I'm not like this, I should call them. I've seen a lot of people draw comparisons between him and Callus, And I do think that there were parts where it may have been intentional or it may have just been a coincidence. Um, but the thing I think narratively speaking, solely narratively speaking, this is not to excuse anything Callus did for the empire because obviously he was a perpetrator of a genocide. But the other thing about Callus is that in the narrative, as soon as he was given an opportunity to examine and a reason to examine his biases and his worldview, he took that opportunity. Um, and again, like, this is also coming from a narrative standpoint. If this was a real life person, it would be a very different conversation. Um, but the other thing is Crosshair did have a group of people who he knew he could probably go to and be like, hey, besties, I know I did something really bad, but I'm okay now, like, please help me. And he didn't take that opportunity. So that's where I think a lot of comparisons fall flat as well from not just from like an actual moral standpoint, but also from a narrative standpoint is that they are too... Crosshair and Callus are two very different characters. So it just makes me feel kind of crazy when I see people compare them and be like, oh, I'm like, also, Callus was not your poor little meow meow before he defected. Like, stop trying to make Callus a poor little meow meow. We need to criticize him and we need to criticize Crosshair. Clearly, the parallels they were making here, and there were many, there were many points where they were like, haha, Star Wars reference, both literally and metaphorically, 
uh, in this, they were literally had the you were my brother Anakin situation. They had it. They had it several. They had that. They had that, and then they also had Vader like join me in the Empire kind of thing. His his parallel is supposed to be Anakin, and I could also get into why he's similar to Thrawn, and that Thrawn is actually a parallel to Anakin as well. But we won't get into that because then you will have to have had to read the Thrawn books. But my point is, they put these kinds of stories in here to emphasize that, like, it doesn't matter whether you are chipped and a clone. It doesn't matter whether there is, like, the Force and you're a Jedi and you have literally fallen to the Sith. It doesn't matter if there's magic or chip or whatever involved or whatever it is. It's the same. You have still made the same fashy choices and gone down this path. And we're going to show you how how they went down this path and the ways that they were wronged. Um, and and uh, I don't know. It just Star Wars does love to do this where they have like the same echoes over and over in order to reinforce the same thing. Um, and I love when they do that. I also could go on a whole rant about the differences between uh, Maul and Anakin and how that echoes what Ollie was just saying of why Callus and crosshair can't really be compared because they have different contexts for the choices that they make um you know one is always bad and then he chooses to be better uh one is and while one is you know actively goes you know what i'm gonna be bad fuck it um and those are two very different things i would uh the other the other thing about the parallel that i should note is it's really important that his redemption is solidified from zeb a victim of his shitty actions because it's not up to kanan to forgive fucking callus for literally anything or or for any other character that callus has not brought direct harm to it's not up to them uh, i don't remember which episode we talked about this in but we brought up the idea that redemption and forgiveness are not the same thing i think it was like two episodes ago or whatever it was a while um, ago but yeah we did it, okay. have a it's atonement bestie yeah but we did have a really deep conversation about that so listen to our entire backlog and <laughs> you'll find it, it yeah it happened a while ago but i was thinking of it this time because i was like the the reality is that the people that cross harris hurt are the concern of whether or not he can be considered a redeemed character like i love the sequels uh, Kylo Ren's redemption will eternally frustrate me because it's not a real redemption. Um, he may be a victim of Snoke and he may be a victim of like neglectful parenthood or, or whatever the fuck happened before The Last Jedi. He is also responsible for every single death on every single planet that was destroyed as a result of Starkiller Base. And I feel like the thing about Star Wars, which is what Mel was saying earlier, is like y'all need to be able to hold two concepts as true at the same time. They do not contradict but they do need to coexist. Uh, and I, I, I guess my, my thing is that it frustrates me because Crosshair is a character in a, in a narrative and in a TV show. So realistically, even if you're like, Crosshair is great and I love him, it doesn't actually fucking matter. Uh, but this, this behavior and this way of thinking leads some of y'all to look at perpetrators of legitimate real world genocide and be okay with that when the victims of the Holocaust, when the victims of slavery, when the victims of genocide upon every single indigenous tribe on the globe still bear the results of those genocides and y'all are ready to forgive their perpetrators because it was how they were, they were following orders or they didn't know better. And 
I won't excuse it in media and I won't excuse it in the real world. I completely agree with that. And I think it's also because there are a lot of people who are like, oh my gosh, like people like bring too much of the real world into like media. Here's the thing with that. The thing is that media being written by us here in the real world is a reflection of our world or the person who is writing its views. So you have to like, you have to understand that that level of critical thinking about and consume consumption of media. Um, and I know that that is, that's a lot to unpack, but um, I tr- trust me, bestie, things get so much more better when you start thinking like that. Just as like a small aside, I've had this conversation with some people who are like significantly younger than me and they get frustrated because they're like, okay, I'm starting to learn how to consume media critically, whatever, I'm very frustrated. Um, I keep finding things that are problematic. Can I not like anything anymore? Whatever, whatever. And I'm, and sometimes, you know what? You are tired. Sometimes you're like, God fucking damn it. I can't enjoy anything. Everything sucks. Um, because it is, it is a practice. It is an ongoing thing of going, you know, okay, I'm, you know, I'm going to like the character of Callus and I'm going to like Callus and Zed's relationship, but I also have to think about how he's a bad person and I have to whatever. It is a practice and it is ongoing work. And it's sometimes it's tired and, and, you know, I like Star Wars because it's an escape or whatever. And so because it is a practice, it's like a muscle that you have to exercise. And it's a, um, it, it's a, it, and it's a, a thing you have to develop. And eventually when you, when you get into a, uh, not a groove, but like when you, when you get into a mindset of it, then, then you can find ways to be like, okay, you know, I'm going to I'm going to have my thinking cap on now or I'm, you know, how am I going to consume media ethically or how am I going to talk about something or how am I going to whatever and still still enjoy like you can you can find ways to do that. Anyway, I think maybe this is me being idealistic, but I do think that you can consume media critically and still enjoy things. Um, I mean, I think that that's what we do here. I mean, we consume something made by a large and questionable cor- uh, corporation. Um, you know, and, and we try to deconstruct it on a quite uh, leftist perspective. Um, but I, I do think that that's possible. And I know that when people hear critiques, especially, especially in fandom spaces, and especially, especially when shipping is involved, in this case, not as much, um, and desire is involved and all this kind of stuff. But just in general, people feel it because this is something they come to you know for comfort this is something they come to for escape this is for whatever and it's like you know what it it's 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 something you have to constantly work on and it's and there's nothing there's nothing wrong with that and there's nothing wrong with you as a person and i i I hope that i hope that that's a way that like it's a it's a it could be a call in rather than a call out situation anyway that's my like rant about that and i hope it makes people feel like not like lost in any way the other thing i think too is exactly what Claudia was saying is no one's saying you have to hate crosshair. Like no one's saying that you're not allowed to enjoy the character of crosshair. You have to keep in mind that this is a narrative and crosshair is being painted as a villain and as a bad person. The problem comes when people start saying crosshair was justified or crosshair was right or, oh, but he's still my baby. Like he can be your baby. You can love him, but you also need to say, yeah, no, he was wrong. There's no justification for, you know, for fascism. Yeah, that is something I feel I constantly have to hold my heart with, especially with this television show, um, because there are some things that are so egregious where I'm like, every week I watch an episode and I'm like, okay, if if they fuck this up, I will stop watching it. Um, and it's it's one of those things, 
like like you said claudia in being able to like you know see things um for what they are and to critique them but also to be able to enjoy them um and doing it here in media starting here is such a um it, it's a, a a position of privilege but also i think is a very accessible way for a lot of like the average person to be like okay so i am com consuming media critically so now i can like observe the world critically and that is so deeply important um yeah that's i i could really go into some shit right now but i'm gonna keep it light keep it keep it fun funky fresh I mean, I think the other thing too about this show that sometimes differs from other stuff is the framing of it. Crosshair is framed to be an antagonist. We are not being asked to like Crosshair by the narrative. Um, I think a lot of the thing too that becomes troubling is when people try to excuse the character who is so clearly painted to be nothing but bad. Um, and that is not to say that there is no sympathy that can be had for a character who is going through a a very personal struggle of saying, wow, my whole family left me behind. But that being said, that cannot be the focal point. That is his origin story. It's not to quote, um, not to quote Brooklyn Nine-Nine here, but it is like the cool motive still murder thing where it's like, oh, it is really sad that he got radicalized by his, his bros leaving him behind. He did still like actively try to kill them. If they had gone back for him, he would have tried to kill them. So what were they supposed to do? he really yeah. fucking doubled down he doubled yeah. down he really was like um we're better than them he like was like i'm going to fall into like the supremacist like yeah thing. he really said we're better than the regs we're built different and echo standing right there like damn okay <laughs> i was gonna say i was like oh echo i'm so sorry bestie i i i i did i did want to say also like this thing about like liking something because they're a big because they're an interesting character and not them as a person. I know a couple of us mentioned that last week as well. Like, I I was thinking about it today of Holly. I was like, you know what? I am really, not just as a fan of Star Wars or whatever, but, like, I am very much enjoying this show and how it is, like, I am, I think it is, I think it is good. Um, But I, I and I think with Crosshair, especially now, now that we've given all this context and whatever, um, I, I really do find, uh, like I don't like Crosshair as a person I don't you know I don't like him as a person I don't like the things he's done I find him incredibly interesting and, and that's a, that's why I like you know and I'm sure a lot of us like Thrawn that's why uh that's why Maul is literally one of my favorite characters in Star Wars I think he's a bitch but he's so fucking interesting um you know that's why you can watch the Clone Wars and you can you know feel for Anakin and even sympathize for him at some times and like really be upset at the tragedy of all the people who loved him and see and see what happens and then also be like and that bitch murdered children Ugh. like you can be upset about the tragedy of him as a person um and also and also but also realize like the horrible things and I do think that is a strength not me not me complimenting the prequels not me complimenting george but like i do think that that is a strength SD, of we we do have a star wars podcast yeah, i hate to but, break this to you but but no but no but for 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 serious though like like uh, i do think that is a strength of that framing i i will say that there are certain pieces of media not just in star wars that will have this situation of a morally questionable character and they will try to make you sympathize with them instead of just making them interesting 
and you know uh cool to watch they will the framing the framing is 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 sympathetic and I, you know it's a it's a it's a very very nuanced line to walk and i know that it's difficult i but you know i very much admire the clone wars i very much admire uh rebels which we, we were talking about uh callus earlier i very much admire now the bad batch for being able to walk that line very well uh i could bring up non-star wars examples etc cetera, etc cetera, because i've seen it done badly that is the difference for me a little bit is that framing sort of deal is like it's the same it's the same issue of somebody who's had bad things happen to them and we can sympathize with them but then they do bad things but it's about the framing and i think that's why looking at it from a narrative perspective rather than a fan perspective is more interesting blah 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 blah, blah all these kinds of things and I don't want anybody who's a Kylo Ren fan to feel called out. I actually think a lot of Kylo Ren fans would agree with me. I often feel like you guys were kind of given the shit end of the stick uh, by the by the sequels, whatever. And especially so now when I see characters like Crosshair, um, I just I I I it, it, it I was like ah oh, yes they're doing this the right way. Like everybody, except for people, some people in our comments, whatever. But mostly people are like yeah he's bad. He made a bad choice. It's clear. It's very clear. You can like bad characters and not justify like their actions, guys. Please think critically. Because I've seen some of y'all trying to jump through hoops to defend Crosshair's actions. Uh, backtracking the thing Ollie said before, uh, uh, the pipeline of of crosshair falling into uh, supremacy and um basically you know uh his being like we're, we're better than the the regs it really made me uh think about um internalized like uh oppression and him dealing with that of because the, the clones are a marginalized <laughs> oppressed group of people by uh they by the Republic and um, now by the Empire, especially with Rampart being like, yeah, we don't, we don't need fucking clones. Goodbye, clones. Uh, and just Crosshair kind of um, separating himself from the other clones and being like, yeah, you know, we're, we're better. We're superior. We're built different. And the Empire has acknowledged that I <laughs> am better. So on, on one hand, I, th I think that's kind of interesting. But at the same time, I'm just like, crosshair, my guy. Please uh, check yourself. <laughs> also, uh, the whole dealio with crosshair and whether he is actually chipped or not. Uh, yeah, like Noah said before and has been asking for the last couple episodes, like it'd be narratively more interesting to see crosshair like choose to join the Empire. And... At first, I was excited about that too. Seeing this episode, being like, "Oh yeah, this is this is what we wanted." Crosshair willingly choosing to side with the Empire and not um, it just being like, "Oh, he's mind controlled under the chip." But at the same time, I kind of wish they would have actually shown us his like thought process. And there, I guess there's still hope for like next week's final episode of the season, and maybe possibly in season two, but. I really dislike that whole like just 
writing it off as like, oh, we're telling you this happened, but not actually showing it to you. I also think it would have been a lot more of like, because when I when he said that, I was like, oh, damn, okay, sure. But I feel like if they'd been like showing him, showing us crosshair the entire part of the season and showing us his actions and we operated under the assumption that he was chipped the whole time, that would have been a lot more of a gut punch twist to be like, oh shit, all those really bad things he's been doing this entire time were of his own volition. That would have been a lot more interesting to me. Um, so when, when you said that, Jess, it was like, I hadn't thought about that yet, but yeah, that would have been a lot better actually in terms of like narrative structure. Um, I, I will say this, uh, I know that fandoms like love a bad boy. I, I understand, I get it. It is simply the knee-jerk, the knee-jerk reaction to redeem that character. Like Claudia was saying, like, I, like we all love Maul. Maul's great. Maul is an objectively bad person. And some of y'all need to be okay with that sentence that you can like a character who's a shitty human being or shitty Zabrak being and still be like into their character. I don't like Darth Vader as a villain because I'm like, oh, Anakin, I'm so sorry, bestie. I think he's cool and he has a nice helmet. Like like that that's all there really needs to be sometimes to a villain. And there are just so many characters in fandom, but specifically in Star Wars that pull a lot of shit. And I just too many of y'all are ready to be like, oh, it's okay, I forgive them. You are not the person who needs to be forgiving them, Beverly. It's other people. Also, there's no one that I know that's named Beverly or that has commented or anything. It's like, don't feel called out if your name is Beverly. I'm really sorry. Beverly but listeners, like, that's my so frustration. sorry. <laughs> I'm all for a redemption arc. I just prefer that they're well-written, have a basis in reality, and that they further a fucking narrative in some way. Like Mel, Mel talking about that, like, hey, media is actually informed by reality. Yeah, no shit. Too many of y'all are okay with fascists and you're going to be like, ugh, it's totally fine. They're just like that. Again, like what um something Ollie said earlier, like stop trying to pretend these like these grown ass men who were like um doing fashy things are poor little meow meows. Yes. Like stop stop woobifying these these characters. It's um really cringe of you guys. Yeah, there's a tendency, and sorry, once again, like this is we've got we've gone into the into the this part of the podcast uh you can't see what i'm doing but i'm like making a weird hand gesture um or like we're talking about this like on a more like meta meta level um but <laughs> i'm so sorry uh, uh i had a point to what the fuck i was saying um like the there's a certain level of inf infantilization that that happens around like justifying the actions of bad characters and it's it's just not a healthy thing to do let in media let alone in real life and like i think that there's also a conversation to be had about like crosshair and proximity to whiteness and it's like ooh, are you giving like if he was like a dark-skinned brown person would you be giving him the same like level of like giving a shit about this gentleman because i don't know if that is the answer is yes anyways uh the answer is no because look how they treated finn yeah finn who actually did choose to be good I, I will say this to get on, and I don't know if I can do Mel's version of this, but like meta level um, of media analysis, uh, there there is something to be said as a hashtag white person, um, but there is something to be said about, about whiteness and about the desire to be forgiven for your shitty actions. 
and a lot of white fans need those arcs to be there for them to be okay. Um, I will I will forever think about the fact that in any movie about war, especially in America, we go through a lot of hoops to forgive soldiers who I should note are both victims of and perpetrators of the military industrial complex. There's a lot of legwork that goes into redemption arcs specifically in American media, specifically geared towards or about white people because there's some cognitive dissonance where you don't really care if Crosshair is redeemed. You don't really care if Kylo Ren is redeemed. It's not about that. It's about someone pulling similar shit and feeling vindicated in their own lives that they're okay. And I feel like a lot of people are just there because they need to feel forgiven themselves and they latch onto those characters to distance themselves from the fact that they have to make legitimate levels of apology to individuals that they have hurt. There is also a level, and I know this in fandom, this happens with Kylo Ren, but I also have seen it in other fandoms as well, is somebody sees themselves personally in a, in a character, often, again, speaking as a white person and seeing my fellow white people, um, seeing themselves in a character because of something else, like, oh, we have a similar, like, a, a similar trauma that happened to us, or similar personality, or similar whatever, and so I identify with this character, and they bring me comfort, and they whatever, and so then the cognitive dissonance of, they also did these bad things, also means, oh, I am bad, um, and then when people tell me, this is a bad person, and you shouldn't condone their actions, um, then it becomes a personal attack thing. And this is something that people in fandoms talk about a lot and in fandom studies. And there's actually a lot of academia around this, et cetera, et cetera, if you want to like look into it, et cetera. But I think that's why it, it helps to always remember to have a, not a healthy relationship with comfort characters, but especially if you are a white person, <laughs> I don't know why I said it like that, but <laughs> especially if you are of any, uh, any identity with some sort of privilege to go okay why do i identify with this character um what am i willing to condone um you know to kind of check in with yourself in that way and that's a very specific fandom experience to have and to be like you know why do i like this one more over this or why do i whatever and it doesn't mean you're a bad person it just means like i have to acknowledge the biases that brought me here um and acknowledge like the real world whatever it, it doesn't mean i'm i'm terrible um there's a beautiful tamara renee quote that says accountability feels like an attack when you're not ready to acknowledge how your behavior harms others and that is something that i truly feel is something to be applied to this conversation where it's like so much of like people's strong emotions towards like comfort characters is so deeply ingrained with how much you relate to those characters and it's like sometimes you got to realize bestie you got to make that distinction of you guys are not the same person and maybe you do have like these things that are intersecting and you're going to have to acknowledge that and it's not going to be a fun or um, pleasant experience so i think the other thing about comfort characters is i think something with crosshair a lot of people relate to is having a difficult like relationship with your family and feeling like, oh, I understand that. And I can see like, because I think something that I fell into a lot with Crosshair and I was never like a Crosshair stan. I'm not like someone who really feels any sympathy for him. But I do understand looking at him and saying like, dang, it really does suck that they constantly left him behind. 
if you look at it through that perspective, because obviously there are reasons they couldn't go back to get him. They didn't really have that opportunity to do that. But I understand looking at that and being like, dang, it is really hard to have a rough time with your family. Um, and thinking that that's the thing, because there's so much interpersonal stuff with Crosshair. And I think a lot of people are focusing so much more on the interpersonal stuff. And it's not bad to say like, oh, I can relate to him being frustrated about that, or I can sympathize with that. But we also have to keep in mind, again, that is not an excuse for the things he's done. And let's make sure that we're keeping a healthy distance between saying, hey, just because he has troubles with this does not, and I also have troubles with this, does not mean that I need to defend him and does not mean that I need to project myself. It isn't, does not mean I need to project myself onto him. And it does not mean that he is the character in this that I am supposed to relate to. Um, and I think a lot of people will see a struggle a character is facing and think I'm also going through that. So I relate to them, and which might be true. And you might have a similar thought pattern, but that doesn't mean just because they have that issue does not mean they're intended to be someone the audience projects themselves onto. There was a very specific line of, you really don't get us, do you? Um, and that I think that really got to um, how they conceive of loyalty to their brothers versus how he conceives of loyalty to their brothers. And Ollie said something of like, oh, people are focusing on the personal and we, were, we just spent a whole amount of time talking about the political. And the whole point is that they are intertwined. Um, not me making this joke, but um, the whole Hunter's whole arc is that him realizing that the loyalty to his brothers um, and, and honestly to the rest of the clones um, is is tied to the the loyalty to uh, protecting others, whatever, and that he has to realize that along the way. It's not, it, it is the friends we met along the way. Um, it, it is, you know, doing good or whatever. It's him realizing that. And I, it's, I think we almost said it in one of the other episodes. Like, I wonder if him having his come to Jesus moment with, with Crosshair is the moment when he's going to be like, actually, I do give a shit fuck the Empire and not just that I'm out for me. Um, I, I conceive of it like this is that it, on the spectrum of loyalty to my brothers and how we view it, um, Hunter is the Bendu. <laughs> Hunter's the Bendu, Rex is the Ashla, and Crosshair is the Bogan. Um, but, and, 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 but they all, like, it really is just like how, like, Jedi, whatever, perceive of, perceive of the Force. For them, you know, it's it's how do we perceive of, you know, our perceive of an act on our loyalty to our brothers. And that was really interesting here. And I definitely think that we are going to get to Hunter's little Bendu finally steps the fuck in moment. Shout out to Rebels. Anyway, I had to say that joke. That moment actually did happen in this episode um, because Hunter looks at Crosshair and is like, Crosshair, the Empire is objectively bad and is doing bad things kind of everywhere. And Rex that's be a so problem. Proud. Um, we did get to see Willie Tarkin uh <laughs> say his fun little fire when ready moment. Hey, we um, got a canonically gay character in this episode. Again, I get the love that. fuck out of here. Um, but something that really did hit me, and I know hit a lot of people, we didn't really talk about a lot in this episode, but watching Camino get destroyed, um, really did make me feel genuinely upset because it signifies like the end of the prequels era 
um I know that I grew up like Attack of the Clones has been my favorite movie for a really long time because I am a loser um but Camino has meant so much to me both as my like on my journey as a Star Wars fan but also I have such strong memories of that fight between Obi-Wan and Jango seeing it get destroyed actually felt like like I felt genuine emotion I'm not the kind of person who really cries during shows or movies but I really that was the closest I felt like to getting misty while watching this show so yeah that's kind of my my big thought my two takeaways oh my god Camino and Omega is the Bad Batch's older sister I I had a very similar reaction to Camino I think also and I don't remember what tweet I saw this on but somebody pointed out a while ago that the Kenobi show is probably the last time we'll ever interact with Obi-Wan as a character because there's no reason to do that anymore. Ahsoka, and, possibly. Um, I mean, that's a big maybe. Uh, but but the, my point my point with that was just like this this show is probably the last we'll ever see of this era of Star Wars or of these sections of the galaxy. So watching Camino get blown up, I, I mean, I had an equally chilling image when they were leaving. I didn't know that they were going to blow it up. And I was like, what if this facility just sits here on Camino for the rest of time and like rots against the ocean forever? Like Ali, I, I like I grew up on the prequel movies. That's like where I started. So Attack of the Clones has a very special place in my heart, but also all the clone characters do because the Clone Wars was like my first big venture into Star Wars as a piece of media was the Clone Wars TV show, which notably is a lot about the about Camino and the people who come from Camino. So it was hard to see that it was it was really impactful but it was hard uh my other final thought would be think critically about the media you consume and if characters that you like are on the wrong side of things maybe analyze why that is before going around telling everybody that they deserve a redemption arc that they are redeemed or that they're really a good person guys i swear just they also killed civilians so who cares not me anyway i'm done now (laughs) camino does like hold this strange place in my heart um as like a, a prequels enjoyer as a child but then also like seeing Tamara Morrison as Jango Fett in Attack of the Clones was the first time well maybe Wheel Rider one of the first times I saw a Pacific Islander just in media um and growing up in a very like small isolated white town that was like a lot for me um so seeing this place that is like so integral to all of these Pacific Islander characters was a lot um and specifically noah when you said like the idea of camino just staying here is like this strange liminal in between space it really hit me because if anywhere on camino is going to be like that it is going to be nala say's lab it is going to be the home of these clones and that is so chilling to me that that is that is what remains i think also it's supposed to echo haha echo moment I think it's supposed to echo, um, like, the rest of the clones are being decommissioned, or they are joining the Empire, or eventually they die, or they get killed, or they whatever. We are sitting with the Bad Batch, because they are probably, they, they were born there, and they are probably going to be some of the last vestiges, and people aren't, people aren't going to know why, you know, they were special, or whatever. I mean, if they survive, we still don't but like that that was my first thought I was like oh if that's the only place left that that very special little lab or whatever that's kind of like the bad batch being the only space left um 
and especially thinking about if Omega is probably the only one left, that'll make me feel a little crazy. I wanted to talk about that sequence for a second because um, I've read a lot of the books. Um, number one, love a, love a Tarkin, love a You May Fire When Ready. Not only was it chilling because somebody mentioned this on Twitter where they said that those moments where they showed the, the different shots of Camino, they were not very Star Wars-y. It's not a very, um, it's not a stylistic choice that Star Wars usually makes to do that sort of thing. It was, it was very meta in that sort of way. Um, and then they went right back to it, and that's why it was super jarring. I was like, oh, oh, holy shit. I am the oldest one here. Uh, <laughs> I'm the oldest one here, and I, I grew up on the prequels, yes, and I am also the oldest one. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to turn 27 soon. So um, me being like, yeah, I'm hitting my late 20s and we're saying goodbye to the prequels is, that was a lot for me. The bittersweetness of it is that it's not, and I'm sh and this is the bittersweetness of, of all of the, the clone characters. Like, this is our home. This is an important place that we fought for. But it is also a place of, like, oppression. They were created as slaves for the Republic and, like, the Kaminoans, like, like they they did things so it is a very it's a very weird sort of goodbye of whatever and i think that's a little bit of what they handed towards towards omega too where hunter ap apologizes to her being like i said you'd never have to come back and you did and she's like you know what i'm i'm cool with it i'm whatever it was kind of like when i like left college and i was like you know i had a horrible experience here and um some shit really fucking sucked here but i'm also very sad and this is something that made me who i am as a person and um i know i'm never coming back here and that's a weird feeling and uh many people have those experiences in all types of situations in their life uh and i think that was something like that I'm sure that the, I, I don't know. It was it was kind of like that. One of the creepiest and coolest touches. Um, I had to, I think, I had to think about it because I was like, wait, was it, was the, when he says, you know, okay, you can, you know, fire when ready or whatever and go ahead. The officer who actually presses the button is a clone. And they did that on purpose. And, and not, that not, fucks not, with me. Not just any clone, a clone that worked with Anakin and Obi-Wan. Like, there's a little symbol, a little patch on his shoulder <gasps> that he did work with them. I How do you know? I found, out, know? I found that information out on Twitter. I can see if there I can is, find There it. is the, hey. the symbol that does say, like, of their, um, their fleet. What is it called? I can't remember. Unlike the rest of the hosts, I do not have a childhood attachment to Star Wars. So... I don't think Camino getting blown up hit me as hard as I've seen a lot of other people. But I do also want to point out that uh, it is uh, kind of sad that Camino was blown up today, especially considering it was the anniversary of uh, George Lucas being like, yeah, episode two is going to be called Attack of the Clones. That's fun. I don't think that was done on purpose, but it happened anyway. The stars aligned and said, here you go. We're going to end it the same day it um, kind of first started. Uh, yeah, epic. It's like poetry. It rhymes moment. You can mark that off on your bingo sheets. I did really enjoy the episode. Uh, fucking that scene. I'll talk about the music for everyone else. 
where it did drop the main like Bad Batch theme. And uh, another, um, it's like poetry, it rhymes moment actually is because, you know, it's during that moment when they're all fighting the, the training droids to, so mirroring what happened in the, the first episode when the squad was still all Gucci with each other. Um, <laughs> before but, Crosshair watched Ben Shapiro. Yeah, before <laughs> Crosshair um, fell down the pipeline. Overall, this episode was really good. It has me wondering because now they do have a, an unconscious crosshair in their possession. Uh, so I don't know what's going to happen next week. Like, I guess it could show them trying to get off this burning <laughs> uh, cloning station and trying to escape Rampart's uh, Star Destroyer. So that will be fun for next week. And uh, uh, brings me uh, to Cody Watch. Because Cody, uh, Cody, even though he is here with me in, in spirit via my helmet, and I did put uh, the, the poor little meow meow ears on Cody, but he wasn't uh, there. And, you know, we only have one episode left. And if he doesn't show up next week, I am going to unfortunately leave Star Wars. <laughs> I will be quitting. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. We did get season two confirmed, so that gives me hope. Like, if he doesn't show up next week, I will see you all again next year with uh, Cody Watch season two also, either when Bad Batch season two drops or uh, Kenobi. I don't know which one's coming out first, but... Kenobi, Cody Watch fun. is going to be very lit. Cody and Book of Boba Fett when? Oh my god, if Cody <laughs> showed up in Book of Boba Fett randomly... You'll... He shows up to be Boba's weird grandpa. You no, 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 I'll pass no. away. Fennec Shand is like, damn, Boba, did you go to the beach from old? <laughs>
true. I also think it's canon, not just I, legends. I also don't like the concept of fucking like Federalist paper writer <laughs> Tarkin. Hamilton. Tarkin Hamilton, Hamilton are you? Alexander Hamilton. Fuck you off. I'll be the contrarian. I think Jess made it up. It's I can real. actually. Uh, so. I will say the second that they mentioned Tarkin, I was like, oh, obviously just made this up because Tarkin tortures this podcast like every fucking week. I, I think this is I think this is actually in Legends. I think this is in Legends. I don't think just made it up. So I hear here's some strange logic puzzles I have to quick decipher because one, I know that the Tarkin doctrine is a real thing. I, I know for a fact that is something at least referenced somewhat in canon. Um, if not, maybe legend. Who knows? It's everything has begun to blur for me. Um, that being said, is there some small, minute detail that just changed, making it something they made up? So I am going to say, I'm going to say it's legends. And and Claudia said legends too, right? Okay, so you're all um, locked in. Final answers. It is legends. I didn't make it. Oh, at all. Damn it! I this love is my what life. I get. This is what I get for being a contrarian. In Legends, there was a hollow film called The Bounty Hunters Guild's Greatest Hits, Volume 7, which was a collection of hollow vids produced by the Bounty Hunters Guild. And um, it was basically a collection of recorded assassinations. And it also had a bonus feature, which included various techniques on um, killing amphibious targets. And at one point, Cad Bane, everyone's you know favorite blue cowboy, had a pirated version of the hollow film in hopes um, of learning these techniques to kill these amphibious targets. And um, he, wait, I'm not done. He couldn't stop laughing at the disputes between um, Bosk and his father, Kradosk, uh, who was the leader of the the guild. And because they were, they were also in those, those hollow vids in the, the Bounty Hunters Guild's greatest hits. Is that Legends or did I just make that up? This has to be real. Also, so, okay, the idea uh, of Cad Bane being like, I want to throw hands with Kit Fisto right now. <laughs> I do also, here's here's my my image of, of, this, of this video and how it works. I don't know why, but I see like the, the prom background from like the 1980s, like the laser Stop. lights. And it's like, Bounty Hunters, Best Hits, Volume 7. And no it's fun. And everyone else has like a, a flash drive or like how they transmit data in Star Wars. But they gave Cad Bane a CD. And it's like, it's no, like sharpied over. No. And it's like Bounty Hunters, Greatest Hits, Volume 7. Bonus features I was, included. I was like picturing it as like those like old kind of, um not infomercials, but like those like, like corporate old. corporate training videos. Yeah, the corporate yeah, training videos. Yeah, like the corporate That's training video. Skilled, you know i i will say um i know that star wars can be corny i am going to say that this that just made this up uh both because i know your sense of humor and also because it's very bounty hunter heavy and jess is in their bounty hunter era right now so that's sort of like where my my heart is leaning towards i do believe that um i'll say this is legends because I'm, you know, I'm I'm going on as the contrarian. I think it's time for me to enter my Jess era and be the contrarian of the podcast. So I I think this is legends. I also this makes me feel a little bit insane because I have an OC, um, which is the Bounty Hunters Guild social media manager. I was thinking about your OC also <laughs> earlier when I was coming up with these. 
Um, and I definitely think, um, and as a social media manager in real life who does have to post compilations of best of, you saying this did make me feel crazy. Um, so me thinking about the Bounty Hunter Guild social media manager having to upload best of assassination clips onto the Net makes me insane. Um, I, I just want this to be true. I w- I'm going to say legend. This, what you have described to us is not just a compilation video. It is ostensibly a snuff film. So is is Star Wars brave enough to say, you know what? Snuff film. In Legends, I think I think it's Legends because I think that is something they would fucking do. So it is Legends. Yes! <laughs> I can't I, deal with that. Please tell me more. I... I just found that because I was like, let's look at all these like um hollow films and hollow dramas that are in Legends. And I was just clicking on random ones and like reading about them. And I saw like bounty hunters. I was like, I'm I'm coming. Cause yeah, like Noah said, I am entering my bounty hunters uh era. But yeah, it made me feel insane reading about that, especially Cad Bane pirating it because he didn't want to pay for the fucking hollow. So that's film. that's the part that also is like this is a great narrative but I do feel like Jess wrote it because it just seemed so on brand for you in terms of like a joke I genuinely like or the part where where you were like Cad Bane can't stop laughing at this dispute between Bosk and his dad I was like uh oh we got a Bosk mention this is definitely something yeah. Jess would write <laughs> but also if this is produced by the Bounty Hunters Guild and Cad Bane is in it why does he have to pirate it does can he get a free copy in Legends Besides the Night Sisters, there's actually several clans of four sensitive women or witches on Dathomir, all of whom descended from former Jedi Knight Alia, who was a Jedi exiled to Dathomir, you know, after turning to the dark side. And each of these clans abide by their own rules and magics that were originally based off of Alia's Book of Laws. Is that legends or did I just make it? So, uh, yeah, I'll wait. This has got to be true. This has got to be believe, true. Solely based on Mel's reactions, I do believe that it is Legends. But I'm, I'm and again, I'm, I'm a contrarian, so I'll say Jess made it up. I, okay. I, I have a, a very vague knowledge of, of stuff going on on Dathomir. So the name Alia does ring a very large bell for me, but not enough to remember what the details were. So I'm going to say that this is, but then the thing is, I'm like, I don't remember if that was just like the progenitor of the Night Sisters or if there's like more than one set of clans. It's that whole horrible saw trap of like, is there one detail just changed to make this not legends? And I don't know. So I, I, mm, um, I'm going to say it's, I'm going to say it's legends. Okay, so I have the exact same problem that you do, Noah, because fun fact about me that the podcast might not know, before I was obsessed with the Chiss Ascendancy, I was obsessed with Dathomir and figuring out what the fuck their deal was because non-Jedi Force sensitives are so fascinating to me. So I know all of that information that Jess said sounds like things I have read on w- Wikipedia, but the question is, is it, it, the thing that has really gotten me is the clan part because I know in canon there are clans but is that also in Legends? I what think I can't remember up. is I okay because I'm I'm with you here. I I remember stuff about Dathomir, but only in like vague bubbles. 
And what I what I do remember is that there are, there were a group of people who were called the daughters of Alia who were force sensitives on Dathomir. I do not remember if they became the Night Sisters or if they were separate from them. But I'm I'm jumping in the just made it up bandwagon camp, whatever we're calling this, because I don't know for sure. But like I remember it not being the way you described it, if that makes sense. Okay, so is that all your final answers? Yes. It is legends. Yes! Fuck. Three for three, bitch. Three the way that I only three. got the first one right so far, <laughs> I'm upset. In legends, the city of Al Mamun was located on the desert planet of Babanasia, which is a planet located in the Babin system in the mid rim. And it was one of the places player characters could potentially travel to in the game Star Wars Galaxies 2003. I'm going to say Jess made this one up just because they can't all be true. Did you repeat the name of the city that you said? Alma Moon. I'm getting, I'm getting Ollie using World of Warcraft flashbacks. Um, I actually do think... Um, so, okay. I feel like I need everyone else to answer first because I'll just say the least common answer because I have no idea. <laughs> um, I'll no, I'll say um, I'll say I'll say it's legends. I'll go three for three, all true. I'm gonna go with this is also legends. I'm gonna be the contrarian and say just made it up. I did make it up. <laughs> yes, it, I, actually, my, my, my from the was game. It, I did pull an Ollie, and it is from the game um, Nino Kuni. Stop. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why, but the name Alma Moon sounded so much like a location that would never be found in Star Wars. I was like, I don't know where this is from, but it isn't you here. Say that. There's a character in Star Wars named Takedo. Okay. Final um, is it Legends or did I just make it up? Fact. In Legends, Emperor Palpatine had a colossal, irregularly shaped, and um, by irregularly shaped, I mean, it was like a big asteroid, basically. Um, super Dreadnought Battle Moon, known as the Eye of Palpatine. And it was that actually- That is not where I thought that was going remotely. <laughs> where okay. did you think it was going, Noah? I don't want to know. Uh, anyway, it was actually uh, the Empire's first super weapon before the, the Death Star, and um, Palpatine ordered it to be constructed in secret in 18 BBY, so during the second year of the Galactic the Galactic Empire's rule. Is it Legends, or did I just make it? <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'll say it's Legends. I think it's funny, which is why I want it to be true. I will say it's also Legends. I do like, okay, I like the idea of Palpatine being like, I made this base. And then it something happening to it. And then he's like, I think I'm going to do it again two more times. And then Kylo Ren being like, dang, that was a good idea. I'm also going to do that. I am going to say that this is Legends, both because I love the idea of it being true and because it's just the right flavor of insane. But I think it would be something Star Wars writers came up with at some point. Editor's note. Claudia did say that this was Legends. The Zoom call just cut out in the recording, um, so you don't hear her say that. But I promise she did. Anyways. Yeah, it is Legends. So let me go ahead. Final scores. Um, we have Claudia in first with five. 
Noah with four, Mel with four, and me with two. You did it, Ollie. Good job. <laughs> I'm the winner because I know the least about Star Wars. It's the golf rules. Now we get into our next very fun segment, which is Q&As. Um, if you have a question you would like for us to address on the show, check out our TikTok. Um, we use the TikTok Q&As here, but you're also welcome to send us an email or reach out another way. But both of these today come from TikTok. So the first question comes from Noria Ki Kujo. I believe that's how you pronounce it. Um, they have posited two, two sort of parts to this question, but I think we can go a different way with it. Um, they have said, who is the prettiest clone? And they've given us two options, which is Captain Keeley or Kix. And I want to expand this. I think we should just say which one we think the prettiest clone is in addition to answering their question. Um, I can go first. I think that between those two men that you have presented me with, I think um, season five kicks where he still had his fun little haircut. Not season five um, kicks. Leave season five <laughs> kicks alone. Season five, season six kicks. That's the kicks who met fives in that bathroom at 79s. Um, and I think like prettiest clone, I think it's gotta be season seven commander Cody. Like, He's he just looked very pretty to me. So no, possible I think... possible hot take. Uh, I actually think that season seven kicks is very nice to look at. I know he is sort of generic yeah! and doesn't have his hair, but like he has a little stubble going on, a very nice like shading to his face. He just looks very like nice. And I think he's the he's the prettiest of those two. And not to steal your answer, but um on okay, here's my thing. I do think Commander Cody in season seven is very, very pretty. I will also say though, I think Rex is very pretty in the shot of him when Ahsoka comes to meet the clones. Like he just looks very, very nice there. So I am going to say that he is the second prettiest clone because Commander Cody in season seven is the prettiest one. Here's my thing. There's a difference between the hottest clone, the most handsome clone, like, I, I could say, like, I, I think Kix is hot, for sure. I think Hauser's hot. I think Rex has the full package. He is the whole, he is everything. He, he's, he's everything to me. Um, however, if we're going prettiest clone, um, I would put, I would put, I would put Echo up there, because he does, he does have pretty eyes. Um, however... Again, I'm gonna have to go with season seven Cody. Uh, and if they'd had that level of animation the whole time, it would be Cody the whole time. He just, he, he just is simply built, like he's just beautiful. You're like, oh, I love you, King. Um, he just comes on screen and you're like, oh, I, you're beautiful. Um, and um, I think that uh, Obi-Wan recognizes that. Choosing first for between kicks and and Keely. Yeah, I'm I'm going with Kix. Just mainly because um I keep forgetting who Keely is. Sorry, King. <laughs> and um I'm a fake fan. Everyone can like say that, but just because he's just not memorable to me. So yeah, um Kix is the, the prettiest between those two. And as for overall clone, it should be no surprise that. I also am choosing <laughs> season seven, Cody. C come on, I am, you know, the 
the host of of Cody Watch and big friend of Cody. So of course I'm gonna choose Cody as the prettiest clone. And like Claudia also said, there is a difference between pretty and handsome and hot. Although I would uh, put Cody under all of those. That's just me though. Oh, absolutely. So here's my thing. Um, I hate to be the contrarian, hate to enter my Jess era. First and foremost, I do think that of the two mentioned, Kix is the prettiest of the two. Um, I think I think Keeley could be described as handsome. I think he has like a, a look about him that is like dashing even. Um, but Kix is just like, I just think he's he's just a pretty, pretty man, pretty boy. Um, and that is why I'd also say in general, he is the prettiest clone. Um, because once again, Cody, we have a lot of Cody stands here lots of friends of cody's um i'm not saying that i am not i am just simply saying that i think that he is handsome and not pretty once again making that distinction um and so i would say kicks once again i think there's something with that season seven haircut that i'm like you know what he's he's realized that having such a a, a, a phrase etched into his head is maybe not the move so we're gonna get like a little bit more of a normal haircut going on and i respect that I do like the idea of going into surgery and your doctor has the only good droid is a dead one shaved into the side of his head. That seems like I, it, I would maybe want to see if there are any other on-call surgeons available. I will also say the funny thing about that is like, I, I get that it's animated, but I have this hilarious image in my head of kicks like a week after getting that shaved his hair has grown, has grown back just enough that it's visible he had something there but not visible enough to read it. So people are like, what did you fucking have on your head? He's like, oh, I had a cord I like. POV, your top surgeon has the only good droid is a dead one etched into oh, his no. head. POV, you go to the 501st for top surgery. <laughs> so the next question comes from courtrose underscore 12, also on TikTok. And they said, if you had to bring one person out of the Star Wars universe, who would it be? And there are a couple of different ways to interpret this question. The way that we are choosing to do it is like, if you, if there was one character from Star Wars that you wanted to bring out to like hang out and be your, be your bestie, be your roommate, who would it be? Um, this is really hard because I feel like there's a lot of characters that I would like vibe with and want to hang out with. Um, I think like my first instinct is probably Ahsoka. I feel like she would be very cool to like hang out with IRL I feel like if she was your roommate she would definitely do her dishes um I do feel like sometimes she might leave the apartment like a bit of a mess but like nothing that's too like no smells or anything but I also feel like we would vibe like I feel like we could hang out um she just has a cool vibe um and I also feel like she's going through it in Star Wars and it would be nice to extricate her from that situation. Okay, so that was my that was my thinking is like, who could I extricate so that their life is better? <laughs> not, not like we don't live in a trash fire, but like their life is such a trash fire that like living within capitalism would even be better. My first thought was Obi-Wan. I was like, King, we got to get you out of there. Um... <laughs> I, I would just be like, hey, do you need a nap? Um, <laughs> it's okay. Um, but there are, like, lots of characters like that. Um, I feel like I could really vibe with Eli Vanto. 
I feel like I could really vibe with Ahsoka. I think with non-human characters, there would be some problems there um, of, like, do they become human when they come into our world? I got questions. Um, I, I, yeah, I feel like there's a, there's a, I, yeah, I think it would just be, like, any character who has fucking suffered endlessly. I'd be like, hey, bestie, it's okay. Come with me. Not like it's any better here, but. I, if I had to pick one Star Wars character to, like, if we're not, if I'm not, if this is not someone that I want to get married to, and we're just going to cohabitate, um, I do feel like it'd be Obi-Wan, mostly because we're both pretty high strung, but we also can learn to chill out a little bit. I feel like I'd be able to calm him down. And if I was having like a rough one, he'd be like, bestie, I need you to chill a little bit. Um, I, I, I feel like that'd be a good time. Um, I will say, I, I don't know. I know it's not an, okay, okay, fuck off. Ollie's put in the chat, I can fix him. And no, that's not what I mean. That's not what I mean at fucking all. However, I would also say honest, like full honesty, Rex. I feel like I would have such a good time hanging out with him that like, like I would spend time with that man. I, I'm romantically. Would it get romantic? Probably. But if it didn't, that's fine. Okay, so the, the question is challenging to me because my my thoughts are come in twofold. There's one of like, who do I think I would just get along with the best, right? And then who do I want? I think get along with the best it would probably be Sabine I think Sabine has a historically women's college energy and I went to historically women's college so I'm like I girl I already like you lived across the hall from me already just straight up so I I would love to to have you just have a moment of peace um maybe we can you can go to therapy and talk about your mommy issues um but I think in terms of like the character I would like to see just living a normal goddamn life, probably Bell Zedifar. I think he just deserves a moment of goddamn peace as well. Oh my god, yes. So true, yeah. bestie. I, I did have the thought that Sabine would need to then get a like concealed gun carry permit in, in get real out life. Second, second Amendment rights. Like, second Amendment rights like, to advocate Sabine Red. She'd be like, it's my religion. Um, Sabine with a taser. <laughs> I will say, Mel, you're very valid for bringing Belle, my icon. I just, I feel like if there's any character from Star Wars that like I would have genuine large amounts of fun with, it would be Belle. I, he would be a good time. That's that I'm not changing my answer Actually, also, also maybe Wreath Silas could use I a was, goddamn moment of rest. Why don't we just get Belle and Wreath out and they can go be besties? All the, all the Padawans of the High Republic. Go, didn't you earlier say you were gonna bring Wreath Silas out and then vape at him? <laughs> okay, listen, I think the idea, okay, so Wreath Silas, just for some context for our High Republic people who don't know things about the High Republic, he's just like a very, Claudia. like, he's just a little, like, I'm not gonna say anxious being, ooh, woo, but like, because that's not quite who he is, but he's like, he has like a he's lot a of- He's a fucking nerd. He's a fucking dweeb, but he's just got like a lot going on. Anyways, um, Reed Silas, I do feel like is the, like, you know, the the people who are like, if I could meet like a Victorian boy from like the Industrial Revolution and give him like a, like a Sour Patch Kid, he would pass away. I think if someone vaped at Reed Silas, he would pass away. Um, maybe like the at the beginning of Into the Dark, I think by the end he'd be like, Hmm, I don't like this, but I will process that later. Um, but yeah. The way Mel I actually did think about either Belle or Reeve as a as a good um roommate 
it's because I have decided to kin both of them. I don't know what that says about me, but uh, yeah. Excellent. <laughs> I actually also uh, pad one that you're going to read about Mel in uh, um, Vern? Test of Courage too. Vern? No, or, Vern um, is not Padawan. Fucking... Oh, Vern sorry, is the Jedi. Is no, fucking uh, Amiri. 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 Yeah. <laughs> but um, no. Uh, and I also thought about Eli Vanto, but I was just like, eh, I feel like I also don't want Eli around me. Eli Vanto would accidentally get involved in like fucking Silicon Valley or some bullshit. No. Oh, oh no. I am actually picking. Uh, a person from the High Republic, <laughs> and it is uh, Elzar Man. <laughs> I don't know. That's such an interesting choice. I don't know. I just like all of you. I feel like Elzar has been through a lot, and I think he just he just needs a friend. <laughs> and uh, we can also talk about our weird <laughs> Catholic guilt. He is now my roommate. We are besties. And uh, maybe I can enter in the polycule. I, I want to be part of the Avar Elzar selling polycule uh, where I'm connected to Elzar. And then through Elzar, we have also interlocked Stellan and Avar. I like the idea so, uh, that you, you took Elzar as a package deal. The universe was like, also these two. Do you also, yeah, wait, do you also get, do you also get Stellan's, I mean, ex-Padawan ch- child? Oh yeah, Vern can come too. And she's just um, comes. she's just our bestie. And by my connection, Emery, the Emery whole comes to. It is time for our favorite segment, name that ship. The way that this segment works is that one of our hosts uh, or a couple of our hosts will bring a fan fiction that is of note, that is either interesting, has a cool ship, or has an extremely cursed ship, or the tags tell a story. So. I have one today. And basically the hosts are going to have to guess who the main ship in the tag is or the main ship in the fic is. I'll go first. This one that I have, I think it's really interesting. Um, I believe Mel may actually know about it. So I'm asking if you do, don't say anything. Um, There aren't a lot of tags. There's actually only three tags. And they don't really tell a story, but the summary does a lot of work. Um, And I think it's worth it. So I will read tags. It is rated general audiences. The title is Functional Family Unit. This was published in 2016. This is character A slash character B. And the tags are character B, character A, Poe Dameron. And the description is, after Poe's parents die, his godfathers step up to raise him. Or character A and character B are the gay uncles that end up raising Poe. Callus and Zeb? It is not Callus and Zeb. Okay. Wait, uh, so are they- Is this like a cursed ship or is it like an actual ship? I don't think it's cursed. I've never seen it before. So are they characters from the sequel era or- They're from the sequel era. Um, or not the sequel era, the, um, do you mean- no, they're not from the sequel era. I'm sorry. They're from the prequel era. Oh. I, I mean, not I the, know what this oh is. my gosh, not the prequel era. The, the original trilogy era. I think I know I'm so God. sorry. Bestie, pick an era for my sanity, please. It, they're from the original trilogy era. They're actually from the prequels, but they got put rebels? on the beach from old. <laughs> Get out. 
<laughs> kill are they, Noah. Are they like rebels characters? They are both in rebels. I know it. Which ship is this? <laughs> this so this is a gay ship, right? Like I heard that it correctly. Is. It's between two okay. men. Are any of the force users? No. Are any of them clones? No. Are any of them Imperials or former Imperials? Yes. Um. Here's the thing I will let you guys know. Both of them have been in Rebels, and both of them have also been in live action. Saw Guerrero. No. That was my actual first guess. Wedge Antilles. Wedge Antilles is one of them. I... What? <laughs> Lando Calrissian. It is Wedge Antilles of Lando Calrissian <laughs> raising Poe Dameron. I can't... Wait, what the fuck? Okay, but... This makes me feel insane because canonically Wedge Antilles does um marry Snap Wexley's mom. Yeah. Um and become his stepdad. Yeah. Wedge Wedge just goes on to be a normal dude. Um and I think that this is very powerful. Like I know there's kind of an age difference there and I'm choosing not to really think about it too hard, but it is just like a very like interesting combination. Mel, is this the thing that you thought it was? Yeah. I hate that you knew that. So, uh, this is, um, this fic is, well, it's something. It is rated mature. It is a, uh, it is a ship between a female character and a male character. Um, and then there's also another ship, which is character C slash original character. I will not be telling you character C because that would kind of give it away who it is, who's one of them is. The additional tags are slow burn, manipulation, dubious morality, Suicide, um, cosplay, <laughs> um, character A, I will go down with this ship, drinking, original characters, politics. This was published in 2018. It was updated at the end of 2018. It is 53,000 words, Fifteen chapters, and it is not finished. It was clearly abandoned. No! <laughs> um, Cut sent to the beach <laughs> from old. Um, Shooting from the hip. Is this a Raylo fic? No. It's not? No. no Wait, no, that's genuinely surprising. No, it's a, it's a weird fucking ship that okay, you will never me, think of. Let me ask, is this... Um, an original trilogy time it's before the it's after order 66 and before it's before rebels i'll say okay so is it like okay so pre-rebels is it rebels characters one of them is in rebels is one of them a a character is one of them what a character from the clone wars one of them is from the clone wars one of the same one rebels Oh, no. um, is the character from Rebels just like in Rebels or are they like from, like, are they someone who's been in other stuff, but they are also in Rebels? They're, they have appeared before. Is this person also in Solo? No. Okay. Okay, so it's not like So wait, is the male character from Rebels or is the female character The male from character is from Rebels, the female character is from Clone Wars. Is this is, a are either of them Force sensitive? No. Are they from the ghost crew? No. Okay. So (laughs) either of them appeared in other not Mon Mothma. (laughs) Okay. So 
neither of them are force sensitive. Are they Gale? empire aligned or are they on the side of the rebellion slash republic? One is aligned with the empire. The other Which one, one, because we have only, okay, the male characters aligned with the empire. The other one, because we've only seen her in the Clone Wars, um, we don't know. I could tell you is how they how Rio they position. Yes. <gasps> is it, um, it? Is this? Is this an? Is this? Is this? Is this? Um. Is it Tarkin? No. Ollie, the way is it I Wolf also was No. That would be very fucking funny, though. You guys can also guess who the other character, okay, no, slash original so, okay, character okay. is. Too. So this is. Okay. <laughs> oh, I misunderstood that. I, I thought oh, I character C character C sla- character C slash original character character C um is also a man. From and, what and, era? And are they force sensitive? Um, uh, same same era, same era. Also a so, man. Okay, so it's Rio Chuchi slash Imperial. Is it Quizzy? No. No, Said no, 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 no they're, they're not. Yeah, they're not oh, force sensitive. Fuck, I forgot. Sorry. Uh, and um, it's it's not Tarkin, and it's Thrawn? not Yalaren. Yes. <laughs> is it the wait? Is it Thrawn? Did you say it was Thrawn? Oh no! Yes, so not who? Thrawn. Guess who? Wait. The character C is. is Eli, Eli Vanto. Eli Vanto. <laughs> no. Rio, so, run. So, so okay. So it's oh, real Chuchi. Get Thrawn. out of there. It's real Chuchi slash Thrawn and Eli Vanto slash original character. Um, a male character a female shout character. out to our listener Mackenzie Mac to reality for sending me this um he- here is the, fucking here is icon. the summary here's the summary Thrawn and Eli are sent on a mission to p- near Pantora <laughs> and Rio is not happy about their presence of course her yeah, affiliation with of course her affiliation with a local rebel cell only makes matters worse mind games manipulation and moral ambiguity ensue um hold on the notes for chapter one made me feel insane because it said i promised y'all i'd be back with another rio <laughs> thrawn fic for 2018 Wait, it's finally here wrote more Ex- than one expect updates every tuesday thank you to all my regular readers the idea of thrawn and rio chuchi and then eli vanto shipped with an original male character is insane to me so, so they can ag- male yeah they can acknowledge that eli vanto is a homosexual yeah. I do love the idea of Thrawn being like, damn, I'm not gay, but go gay boy, go. <laughs> Eli, have a great time, dude. I do want to remind you that one of the tags is cosplay Thrawn. Um, so I'm assuming, he, I don't know, is he cosplaying a Pantoran? Um, Thra- no, he's no, wearing he's his little green him. glasses from his undercover look. <laughs> oh, I was going to say he's cosplaying Bakugo. No. I don't also, know who that is. I just know he's an my animal. Hero, my shit. hero macadamia not out of here. Thank you so much for joining us this week for RuPalp's Pod Race. Episodes usually drop on Sundays. For updates, Star Wars news, and more cursed shit, follow us on social media at RuPalp's Pod Race on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Sometimes we stream on TikTok, so be on the lookout. Um, if you really love the show, please rate and review our show on Apple Podcasts, even if you don't use it as your podcatcher. Also, we love hearing from you. What would you like to see from us between The Bad Batch and The Book of Boba Fett? Send us a question on our TikTok Q&A, tweet at us, DM us on Instagram, or send us an email at rupehelpspodrace at gmail.com. May the force be with you, and don't griff it up. Waka waka. Waka waka. Waka waka. waka. This is what I was going to say. (laughs) Waka waka. I'm sending you all to the beach from fucking old. (laughs) 